right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And today it's all about doing big blocks, bro. It's all about ripping, making badass horsepower, pissing off everybody else in the camp at the racetrack. Like, who in the hell is this guy in the stage like cracking off ETs I've never seen? Like, yeah, man, that's what it's all about. Can't wait to get into this conversation. It's called winning. It's called bringing the big dogs with you with the big bark that uh, doesn't have just bark, but has the bite to do it. And, uh, finish that race on top man so we got uh an awesome guest today man i am super stoked you know we're both engine guys uh on, on the show so to bring in this legend in the engine world man it's uh it's got me kind of fired up and ready so a couple of things man 1977 nhra pro stock champion spun that right around created his own business uh, he's got some buddies out there, Dino Don, you might have heard of. Um, these guys really just dominated, man. They had 12 Mountain Motor Pro Stock Championships uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, if you've ever seen kind of one of his signature motors, the Boss 9, it is so badass. Not just visually, it's a classic piece, right? The old Boss motors. And this guy has figured out how to crank out more horsepower than I think anyone on the planet from these things, man. They are pretty awesome. Yeah, man, it's funny because, you know, you sent me over who we're talking to today, and I, I did a quick Google search, and, you know, unlike your name or my name, there's good stuff when you pull up his name under Google search. <laughs> uh, man, some of the things he's built, I, I really truly feel like marine racing is one of those things that's underappreciated, and people don't realize the power that some of these boats have. Um, and what these guys are making. Um, so when I saw that he was not only well represented in the world of drag racing and all these other accolades, but Marine, he's done, you know, he's done a lot of war, you know, battling out with big engines in the Marine world. I was pretty damn excited, man. Well, the Marine is, is kind of cool in its own challenge. Like think about a drag race. I mean, you got to make some ultimate horsepower and you got to wing that thing up for, you know, a good handful of seconds. But in the Marine situation, uh, unless you're drag boat racing, uh, it's more than a few seconds. So there is a long-term durability challenge that goes along with doing marine. And yeah. of course, they're just badass. I mean, who doesn't love an offshore boat, man? Right. Some of my favorites. I know, man. Making huge power. You gotta be kidding me, man. First time I ever went against my buddy um, when I lived in Charlotte, had a got a marine engine. It was some wicked, nasty 454. He put it in this, um, believe it or not, out of all cars, a Buick Regal, like a 76 Buick Regal. Um, you couldn't really tell them apart from... You know, some of the cutlasses out at the time. But, 
man, he lighted the car up and we got the engine and I couldn't believe just the craftsmanship, the work, the cam profile in it. Like I was like, this thing is a beast. Like I couldn't believe it. And he put it in this car and that thing just tore it up. I think it was kicking off some wicked ETs. Like they built some serious engines. Yeah. And this isn't just uh, you know, website hype. Uh, there's a, an engine builder series uh a competition right this uh engine masters challenge yeah engine masters bro and this guy is a six time champion just think about that man you're going head to head with guys all over the planet ready to bring their sauce right and you got the hottest sauce in the world to knock out a six-time <laughs> championship that is awesome man i am so fired up to get some of the juice the secrets out of this guy man this is awesome well we can't wait to talk to him and i didn't know if if you're aware of this um i'm a friend but i'm like a five-time world champion at eating my weight in mashed potatoes so you know being a champion runs in my blood as well um so i i say we take a break and we get back with john Kazi, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, we all know about him, heard about it, and now we're going to talk to him on the Two Guys Garage podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. Mmm, mashed potatoes. That's what I'm saying. And gravy. All right, it's the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. John Kazi joins us on the podcast today. Man, thank you so much for your time, for the wealth of knowledge you're going to share with us today. I got pen in hand. I'm ready to take notes. Uh, so what's step one, John? Just go ahead and lay it out. Give us all the secrets. Let's go. Man behind the curtain stuff. <laughs> you know, at this point, there's really not too many secrets. You know, the people that you don't want to know already know. So, I mean, anything's, <laughs> right? anything's fair. Any questions, fair game. So, so how did you get into it? Uh, well, really, uh, probably the same way a lot of people got into this business. You know, it started out as a hobby, and you really never wanted to get a real job. You know, it's, it's still – it's a lot of work. You're here every day, but uh, – um, I still enjoy it, and I never really wanted to do anything else. You know, I I went to college for engineering, and about halfway through that, I figured there's no way I'm going to be a mechanical engineer, you know, and uh, I kind of stuck it out and finished, but uh, I was just going through the motions the last couple of years. There was no chance I was going to do that, and uh, just uh, it just kind of progressed along, and, you know, you like to do everything yourself, so you have to learn how to do things and not rely on other people. And sooner or later, you're buying more equipment, and you're pretty well committed. By that time, you can't have another job. It's, it's all you can do. Well, well, tell us about those early days. So you went out and you won uh, NHRA Pro Stock Championship. That was, was that you, your car, your build, the whole bit, or were you building for others and drivers? Well, that was just uh, the original one was with Dino Don Nicholson in 77, which... I mean, think about that, how long ago that was, you know, 40 plus years. Um, but I, I was his engine guy. It was just two of us, he, me and him. And uh, and we did really well that first year when I worked for him. And, and uh, you know, it was just one of those deals. It was kind of almost a miracle. But it, uh, it got my name out, I think, that people knew more about me after that year and it probably made a difference in other stuff I did afterwards but uh you know I, I learned a lot from him um uh, I think maybe more about life than about engines you know he was just a good he was a really good guy he was really good with his fans he was gracious you know he he was just a good racer and uh, I, I I hate that he's gone because there's times today that we see stuff and I always kind of think of me you know Dino would really like that he'd really like to see that CNC machine or that five axis machine and out heads or some of those things that maybe happened after he passed away you know and 
And, uh, but at that time, all my heroes, I was meeting all my heroes, you know, there's Ronnie Sachs and grumpy Jenkins and, and, uh, you know, yeah. all the, all the guys that I grew up looking at in magazines when I was in high school. And all of a sudden I was right in the middle, of all of them. It was cool. Man, that had to be kind of a moment for you to be right in the middle of some heroes and guys that you'd read about, talked about, hope to be around. And here you are standing in the middle of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool, man. Here he is now carrying the torch. You know, yeah. and he's got plenty to back it up, man. You know, that first year he says, oh, maybe we got a little lucky. Well, you know, he's got many, many, many years <laughs> after that to show that, yeah, he's he's bringing the goods. Hey, I got, I got a question for him as, as Ramona reflects, and this will be interesting because, you know, when you win a, a pro stock, you know, championship in the 70s and you see fast forward what's occurring now in 2020 and the amount of power people are putting down and yet there are knuckleheads driving them each and every day to and from work are you amazed are you are you shocked did you ever think back then you would see the power that you're seeing available from a dealership for you just sign on the line and drive it i mean you bring up a good point you know it looked like every the performance world looked like it was dead you know not that long ago um, and then all of a sudden here they come again, you know, in the two thousands and later. And I mean, you can buy cars with 800 horse from the dealership. And then some of the ones, the ones that are really almost disgusting, they're so fast as some of the turbocharged, like Nissan GTRs and some of those cars they are seven second street cars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and who, who would have guessed you could buy something like that? Yeah. You know, or you know, new Corvette or whatever, or GT 40. You know, the Ford GTs, and it's un unreal. Well, buy something like that and have a warranty that comes with it, you know? It's just I, I would have never guessed we'd see it, ever. I thought racing and performance stuff was over with, but it's not. I drove a, a Corvette this week, a buddy's Corvette that owns a shop right down the road from me. And, you know, on the gauge, you could dial in sports functionality and so forth. And a 60-foot, yeah. I got a 2860-foot and a brand-new mid-engine Corvette. And that's just not even the fancy badged-up Z06s. <laughs> or Z06. You think about that. How crazy is that now that you could go buy a car off the showroom and, and, and grab that 60-foot that time and let alone you know, see what it would do in an eighth? It's, it's unreal that what you can really buy as long as you have the money. But you know, that car you're talking about there, to me, that, that car is a steal. It's I mean, unreal. Oh yeah, they're, they're half price of what they're. They're really about half the price of what you think they would be. They're really. I mean, they're cheaper than a decked out suburban. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? <laughs> they're really it's true. It's I, nice. I, I would love to have one. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what you guys do at uh, John Kazi Racing. You guys have a pretty good lineup of of let's say you call them crate engines. You guys do a lot of race engines still. You do the offshore stuff. Give us a quick little walk down on what you guys are doing. We've we've got really quite a bit going, and it's a good thing with because this year with with all the sickness and stuff that's out there, you know, it was uh, we, we we were a little bit worried what's going to happen, you know, with what do people want and how many people are out of work and who's going to buy what, you know. Some of our racing season racing series are are non-existent this year. The boats haven't raced all year, and they're not going to. So none of the race boats are doing anything. Um, the drag racing we do a little bit, but what, what's made a difference for us is selling some of the parts that we sell. You know, we have some uh, a lot of big block Ford stuff that we do, and some of it's just our specific part. Um, the big one of the biggest things is the Boss 429 cylinder heads and 
and uh, all the parts that go with them, valve covers, manifolds, everything. If you wanted to build a Boss 429, we've made it where you can do it with a, actually a wrecking yard block. You don't need special blocks. You know, you can use the old 460 block or whatever. And, and you know, you, you can build a 520-inch motor that makes it easy, eight or 900 horse, and it'll stay together, and you can drive it on the street. Wow. You know, so if you, if you buy all the parts, I mean, you don't even need everything new, but the, the whole top end, we, we have everything for that and we make it all here and then um you know we've got a we call it sr71 head it's a wedge head it's a it's a passenger car looking wedge head like it looks like a 460 ford base head or thunderbird head or something but it's aluminum head and if you do it right you know on a 600 inch motor you can make over 1100 horse with it and it, it'll fit in a passenger car with passenger car headers so you know we're having real good luck with those and we've got a a, a little a smaller version of that had a P51, we call it, that, that does real well. And it's, you know, it's kind of an overachiever. <laughs> and uh, so we, we've got a lot of stuff that we make on, on our own. We machine them here. We, you know, it's our patterns. We have the castings made and have it sent here. And we do all the machining here. So I never thought we'd really get to that point where we could do all that stuff on our own. But fortunately, the, the machine companies are pretty, pretty lenient with the terms on buying equipment, you know. And uh, so we, we're up and running and, and making parts. You know, the, one of the other things we we do a lot of that we don't really advertise very much. We sell a lot. We've got an oil pump for the big inch Fords that uh, the, the stock oil pumps break off all the time. So, you know, you can't have an engine with no oil pump. Mm -hmm. So, and mm -hmm. uh, fortunately we've been, so we, we went after that and we, we had to do it for ourselves because the engines that we build, we couldn't build them that weren't reliable. So we had to build a pump. And uh, so we saw a lot of oil pumps and other parts that go with them. All right, man, I got to, I got to back you up just a little bit because you literally just graze right over the fact that you said you could take a 500 cubic inch engine. Uh, I believe your first equated horsepower is somewhere in the ballpark of 800 and drive it around. And then you slapped this up mm -hmm. with some 1100 number um, that you could fit in a passenger car, like, like rinse and repeat. So you have created something here where people that have an old 460, which are readily available, yeah. they're out there. I just, matter of fact, I just got rid of a, an old 80, you know, six or seven, you know, 460 Ford F-250 pickup truck. So you could take a 460 block and do what with it? Really, when you when you do that, you're not going to use too many of the original parts. But but you can, you know, you can build a bus. You can build a 521-inch bus 429 sure. with uh, a passenger car 460 block. Or, you know, it could be a wedge head 521. You can make them a little bigger, but we like that size because it'll run forever and it won't ever break. You know, if we're building a uh, engine with a, a a performance block, a race block, uh, cast iron or aluminum, they're usually about 600 inches, just 632 sometimes. And they're still all stock deck height fit in a car type engines. Well, you got the two, uh, was it P38 and the SR71? Or P thirty eight's a small, well, the small block. Right? Yeah, that's a small block head that we really don't do as much anymore. Um, we we wanted to concentrate on the big block, so the the P P fifty one and the SR seventy one are similar heads. The one's a little bigger. Yeah, the seventy one's for the big inch. It's 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 happier on a big inch motor, but it'll work on a five hundred yeah. inch. 
Yeah, hell yeah. The, the aviation connection, SR-71 yep. Blackbird, the baddest bird ever yes, built. Yes, sir. That thing actually leaks on the ground. When you get at the altitude and the speed, it tightens up and seals up. That's the craziest yeah, plane is. on yes, Earth. Man. What's your connection with aviation? What's your what's your fixation with, with the flying machines? I just happen to – I've always liked, you know, old fighter planes and stuff, and I belong to a group here in Atlanta that – that uh, restores and, and flies those old planes to air shows and stuff. I haven't been that active with it lately, but, you know, there was a while that I went to a bunch of air shows and P-51s and those kind of planes, and and uh, I was a backseat guy, but still, they let you fly it a little bit. You know, it's cool. Oh, yeah. You did the development in-house of all those cylinder heads? Well, yeah, now, you know, they're, they're, they start out to be a Ford part, the design, and, you know, so we're just taking what, what came on a car and we're making it a little better and making it out of aluminum. Okay. So you're doing the casting and you're, you're massaging the, the chamber supports and well, it's our casting. Yeah. It's, a, it's our own casting. I mean, it, they're completely new parts, but they're, they're modeled after like they're modeled after the original 460 or 429 heads or the boss nine heads. Um, the boss nine heads in particular, we wanted them to, to look exactly like, the heads that came on a car are you guys moving valve angles and things like that splaying them or well the 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 wedge heads the the the, the p51s and sr71s those those valves are moved around quite a bit okay um because it helped you know we moved them to to where you'd want them in 2020 not you know 1969 you know guys have learned a little bit since then about where things need to be but on the boss 429 heads that thing was a masterpiece when it was built. There's really not much you wanted to do to change it other than make it easier to work on. So, you know, we, we, we tried to do everything to make it easier to, to, to use and to work on and use regular gaskets and stuff like that. But we, we wanted it to look exactly like a passenger car head that came on a Boss 429 Mustang because, you know, you don't want to something that's well what's that you know you want the valve covers to look the same and and the end of the cylinder head and everything look exactly the same you know we, we've actually had guys with bus 29 mustangs with real cars that that had us build or they built engines out of the new parts to put in it to drive it around so they wouldn't sacrifice their numbers matching engines. Oh, absolutely. You know, because the, 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 the numbers matching engines, you know, it like, what is it, double or triple the price of the car when it's in there. If you don't have it, your, your car's not worth anything. And, you know, a guy doesn't want to take one of those cars out and beat on it and throw a rod out the side of the block, you right. know. I call those people so, show-offs. So we've had, even in, in uh, foreign countries, like Finland or somewhere, we've had people buy complete engines to put in an original car to drive it around yeah. so they wouldn't take a chance with their numbers matching engine. Because, you know, if you have a car, you want to drive it. Oh, yeah. And you might want to beat on it once in a while, but you don't want to beat on it with that original motor because they're, no, you know, if man. you break it, it's, it's more than just breaking it, it's devaluing the car by a lot. Yeah, it's tears on the side of the road for hours scenario. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, look, uh, I tell you, we, we, we got to dive into a break right now. Um, more with John Cosby in just a minute. And I got to adjust the big pink elephant in the room. I should say the big blue elephant in the room. You know, see it? The blue oval. I got to talk about this. Why? I need to know. All right. Uh, back in just a minute with Kevin Bird, Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage podcast.
It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have John Kazi on our podcast today, fired up about that. You know, and it's funny because, you know, he was just talking about guys that own those big, nasty, high price tag Boss 429 Mustangs. God, those cars haunt me. You know why? Because when they drive across a, an auction block, everybody gets gooey on them, and it pulls all the attention away from my Mopars. So That's right. Like, That's right. Like, man. Because they um, know what's going on. <laughs> they know where it's at. Yeah, I see all those Mopars in the background there. Yep. You're over there throwing, look at me, look at me. But they know. They know, man. Uh, they know. Uh, well, look, whether it's a Mopar truck, an old Ford truck, or a Chevrolet truck, there's one company out there, LMC Truck, that keeps you rolling, man. They're keeping generations on the road. We use them all the time on our show. They're a great partner. And really, I tell anybody, if you have a truck and you're looking to find parts, they totally have you covered. Oh, man, they have complete catalogs, all up to date. They cover everything from Chevy, GMC, Ford, Dodge trucks, and SUVs. These guys have it, and they understand trucks. They're a lifestyle. They get it, man. It's more than just the parts, but, man, I know what you're looking for, the parts. Those guys have them. So check them out. LMC Truck, man. They're awesome. Great sponsor. We use them on our show all the time. They're keeping generations on the road, man. It's awesome. Yeah, and, and John, I got, I got to ask. You've been on the road for you know a, a good generation or two. Um, what happened, man? Lead-based paint, uh, you get dropped on your head. What, what, what made you attracted to Fords, what what happened? Uh, you get beat a lot by Mopars back in the day. I, I need to understand. How did I lose my way? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it, it didn't really start out that way. I think when when I was uh, almost when I was fifteen, uh, I, my dad. I don't know how it really happened. My dad was looking through the paper and he saw a stripped out Comet Cyclone. It was it was two years old and it was like eight hundred bucks, you know. But it was a high performance car. It was missing some parts, and you know, I, I said, yeah, let's get it. And I had the money. I actually worked at a lawnmower shop at the time, but um, so that, that so I started working on you know a '66 Comet with a three ninety, and you know before long I built a four twenty seven for it, and it was a fast street car. When I was in high school, it was 11-second car. So, I mean, it was cool. Yeah, that is fast, man. That is no doubt. Hey, explain the difference because Ford had some odd combinations back in the day. Maybe you could uh, shed some light as to the 427, the 428, and the 429. It's like they had an identity crisis. Like, well, yeah. what's going on? I, no, i got to be a little bit bigger. What, what happened? Ford's got a huge identity crisis. I mean, how I many 351s? Uh, a couple of 400s, right? Yeah. I mean, they, well, they had, you know, at one year, I guess it was probably about 1970, they must have been eight different, ten different engines you could have bought, <laughs> you could have bought in, a, in a Mustang. You know, it's, it's, I'm not sure exactly what their plan was, but they but the, you know, a 428 and 427 are both FE motors, they call them, but the bores and strokes are all different and, you know, bigger bore, shorter stroke on a 427. And then, you know, the 429s are a completely different engine. You know, it's a 335 series, they call it. It's all different way. It's a bigger engine. Um, and the cubic inches just came out to what they came out, you know. They had 352s, uh, all those old, I don't know how many. They, they, we've worked on almost everything they ever made. But Yeah, the mod motor, the Cleveland, the Windsor. The, it's like, 
everybody had their own thing. Yeah. I think they had one guy there was an engineer and his, his whole job was to change the bell housing bolt pattern every year on every <laughs> engine. <you know>? <laughs> oh man. You had one job, bro. You got one yeah. job. It's like, you know, Chevy, I mean, really Chevy did it right. You know, I mean, even today, some of their stuff is still the same as it was in 1955. Yeah. You know I mean? At least stuff interchanges somewhat. Well, you know, I know you do, you know, your, uh, you know, your pro stock stuff, you do your, your offshore, you know, boat racing stuff. Uh, you know, Willie's talking about, you know, mostly Fords. Do you, do you really kind of delve into the Chevys, the Mopars? Do you get into the newer stuff, the, the mod motors, the LSs? Uh, you play around with any of those other types or are you just hardcore in the blue oval? Uh, well, we actually, you know, in today's real world, you pretty much have to do it. Sometimes you have to do what people want you to do. You know, you can't just have them make the kind of engine you want them to have. You know, we uh, the, the, we do some big Chevys for the boats, the, the offshore boats, and uh, which they unfortunately haven't run this year. But some of the stuff is a they're called Super Cats, and they're really cool. They're 750 horse engines. There's two of them in every boat, and there's a spec engine. You're not allowed to do a lot to it, but they're really fun to work on. And we've, we've done good at working on those, and we look forward to racing them again next year. But, uh, you know, we do some supercharged big black Chevys for some boats that are in Trinidad and a couple other ones that are around here and around Lake of the Ozarks and stuff. And, uh, you know, the the offshore, the unlimited offshores, those are all Mercury. The ones we work on are Mercury Marine, and they're twin turbocharged. It's a specific Mercury engine. But they're twin turbo, four valve per cylinder. They're 560 inch motors. There's two of those in a boat, you know, and they they get they're pretty powerful. They're, you know, 1900 horse or so if if you really get after it. So, you know, they're 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 a challenge. They're, they're a real challenge to work on. But we work on everything. We, you know, we don't really like the LSs too much. Um, but we've we've got one guy that's got a drift car that we work on as LS for. And uh, it's you know it's, and it's a challenge because they punish a, it's a you know twelve hundred horse supercharged LS and they punish them with that drift deal you know they they just hold it there while they're blowing the tires off the whole time you know and uh, yeah it makes absolutely no sense that's why I love it um, <laughs> hey well, I, I saw an old engine master com- competition where you showed up with something completely out of the ordinary you showed up with like a Lincoln motor or something yeah. uh, explain that what what was the line of thought with that and and how did you make because i think believe they're traditionally known as a pretty weak offering but you turned that whole thing 180 degrees and won the competition with it yeah on that particular motor it was a 58 edsel motor which was a i think it started life as a 410 uh, we made it a little bigger um but uh it, you know, it's all iron, original iron heads and all that. And uh, it, it it did really well. We The porting wasn't real small in those heads. It really looked like a good engine to start with. It's just the chamber was sort of screwy because it, it had what they call W block where the, the, the head is flat, but the chamber's in the block. Mm. You know, the, the decks aren't at 90 degrees. They're uh, like a 409 Chevy. And... Uh, so we, we had to kind of work right. around that, but we, you know, we, we, we put some extensions in the chambers. You'd really have to see pictures of it, but it, it, it really helped the way it ran. And we, you know, we, we made the head taller, but the head really protruded down into the block, so to speak. And, and, uh, 
you know, it ended up making 800 horse, which is a good old motor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is insane. <laughs> was that one that you uh, took a win on? Yeah. Yeah, we won with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was reading it. I'm like, how's that possible? <laughs> Think about coming to a knife fight, you know, and you got this awkward backwards, you know, kind of discarded little fork, you know, and you've twisted it and bent it. And somehow at the end of the day, this fork now is a knife that just kind of yeah. kicks everybody's ass he won a knife <laughs> fight with fingernail clippers yeah <laughs> but you know hopefully if you're going to start out with anything it better have pretty decent ports in the cylinder heads you know and if it, and it had okay almost big enough ports in the heads to make some power and if you know if you have that you can you can make it work one way or another but if the ports are just way too small and you're going to go into the water or something grinding on them uh you can pretty much forget that motor it's not going to make any power you know and it's not just making them bigger but you know they have to be big in the right places but after a while you can kind of look at something and see if it's got any potential or not and that engine looked like after i first looked at it i thought you know i think we can do something with this you know well, how many different combinations of engines did you bring to the uh, the challenge? Well, quite a few. I, you know, I had a couple of Pontiacs, had 351 Clevelands three or four different times, five times maybe. We had some Boss 429s in there. I had a 530-inch big Chevy, I think. We had uh, a 400-inch big Chevy. I had, uh, last year, I had a 428-inch big Chevrolet. Um, never done any small block Chevrolets, but uh, we had quite a few different things. They had a mod motor one year that was a, uh, it, would, it would have been a 5.4 based, you know, over four valve engine that we made it bigger. It was 409 inches and uh, it did good. Um, so sometimes it's just you want to do something different and you can use that challenge as an excuse to, to, to you know, to do something that you wanted to do. And hopefully you could win and justify it a little bit. But I think this is a testament to to you and, and what you bring to the table. Because it's one thing, right? We all know if if we're really familiar with something, like, you know, take a particular engine like your your boss nine, your four twenty nine, you know, you spend enough time around that one engine and yeah, you're gonna find all the tweaks and you're gonna make it good because that's all you do. You've shown up with just about every combination, oddball combinations, upside down, left and right, and have dominated that series, which to me says, this man can take any kind of grouping of parts and he fundamentally knows what's going on inside, outside the engine, the dynamics, the airflow, everything, the burn to, to make some serious horsepower and, you know, for the engines to live, right? I mean, they don't have to live forever, but they do have to make enough pulls and survive the competition and, and, and make it through there. So for this guy to be able to take just a nut and bolt bin, and make a Ferrari, right? I think is incredible because anybody can show up with the thing that they know, but this guy can show up with just about anything and kick your ass. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty radical, right there. That's a testament. Yeah, man, that's like a Super Bowl team. That's like a Super Bowl team from a people of Walmart. That's right. You know? <laughs> it's like he, he's doing something. Hey, I, I, I got a question for you, John. Um, I'm gonna dive in a little bit to your knowledge before we run out of time. What would you say the most common mistakes that you know, hot rodders, us muscle car guys, dudes that are looking to squeeze a little horsepower out of it. What do you think are the biggest mistakes, maybe one, two, and three, um, that us, you know, uh, out here on this end looking, diving in for, for 
performance might make or you've seen make? What are the common mistakes that you're here to sort of correct? I have to think about that. You know, we, we've made every mistake here you can make, too. I mean, believe me. But, you know, if you're, if you're driving around in a streetcar, um, I've made this mistake more than once, is if it has just a little bit too much camshaft in it, as far as, uh, you know, degrees, it'll, it'll feel like it's got way less power than it has. You know, if you want dyno numbers, it'll make, it'll make power on the dyno. But if, it, if it's got 10 or 20 degrees too much camshaft in it, because the RPM you're driving around at is, you know, you're, how often are you wide open throttle on the street? I think we've all grown up on that okay, one, man. Right, right. We've all taken a bite out of that, for sure. Yeah, so you put a little too much cam in it, and you're pulling away from the traffic light, and you say, man, this thing's got nothing, you know? And, and I've done it more than once, but I don't really work on that many streetcars that I end up driving myself. But we, we just, we kind of know better there. But um, if you, if you want to see dyno numbers, you know, then you need enough camshaft to do that too, you know, unless, unless it's boosted. And I'm not a real big fan of the boosted motors, but it is one way to make a lot of power. <laughs> oh, amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. All right, what is what is the number two, number three, like big mistakes typically done? The, uh, the you know today what people work on isn't like when I grew up and you just had a carbureted motor that you could get to and work on easy and change the manifold and carburetors and put headers on it and stuff. You know, I don't think as many people do that kind of stuff today on new cars. You know, they'll they'll be reprogramming or or. Uh, you know, the new, a new car that's worth working on that's pretty powerful. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to do too much and get it out of sync. But, um, you know, the, I, I would guess that on something like that, you, you work on some of the parts of the computer. If it's, if it's boosted, certainly you're going to work on, you know, making it do more or whatever, but, uh, smaller pulleys. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we flip that around and, and, and go from, you know, what not to do to, you know, like like you go into the engine challenge, right? And you take some, uh, you know, random combination of engine components or architecture. You know, what are you going in? You know, I mean, in, in my book, typically it's, it's uh, you know, try to get the RPM, try to keep my volumetric efficiency going. You know, I'm thinking about burn rate. I'm thinking about the port and the flow. You know, for you, what are some of the details, uh, you know, that you really go after and you think maybe other people are missing even? Well, you know, if if it's a street motor, well, that's one of the things that the engine masters kind of taught us. Um, because up until we started working on those engines, I never dynoed anything very low RPM. You know, you'd never looked at power at four thousand or power at three thousand. And you know, over the years, a couple things kind of came to uh, well, they just, you just start to realize what makes because you know when you're doing that engine masters thing, it's power everywhere, so it was an average. And you know if you, if you gained power at three thousand, it wasn't any different than if you gained power at five thousand. It added to your score and it made the difference of winning or losing. You know most of the time on those competitions, you'd either won or lost it before you got to the halfway point on a dyno pull because if you didn't have the low numbers, you weren't going to beat anybody. And so you start learning what makes a difference at low RPM. And it's, it's crazy because it's not exactly what you think. You know, the, the, the manifold makes a little bit of a difference, and, but the, the camshaft makes a huge difference down low. And um, uh -huh. the headers make a real big difference. 
like the links and and how how they're done if they're tri-wise or whatever but there's there's usually some kind of low spots in the torque at different times and you, you try and you know we'd work on the header links and some of that to try and get where you didn't have a, a hole they call it a hole in the torque curve you know you're big saying so the headers and the camshaft are huge important when you're driving around rpm but the stuff that's weird is like big ports versus little ports real good heads versus not so good heads that doesn't show up at all down below about four or five thousand it doesn't, it almost means nothing. You know, you can make the port twice the size and it'll still make good power down low, which most people would think, well, I have this real small port and it's got a lot of velocity and it's going to make a lot of power at 33,000 or something. It's not, it's really not true. Um, at least I never found it to be true. We could make the manifold smaller and it didn't help the power. If anything, it hurt it down low. You know, the things, this, when you get to, Maybe four or five, maybe maybe 4,500, 5,000 RPM from then on up. Then everything starts to act like a real race engine, you know, and more camshaft helps and bigger ports help a little bit. And, you know, everything's bigger carburetor. But when it's down at the lower RPM, when you're driving it on the street, some of that stuff, it's backwards of what you think. You know, the headers make a difference, the camshafts make a difference. Uh, but the, the, the cylinder heads and some of it doesn't make doesn't almost matter at all because you don't feel it huh what a what a very interesting point and something you probably overlook every single time you're building an engine or on a dyno how many times do you look at the power on your engine at 3200 3300 3500 i just glaze yeah. right over that and go right to my peak number and go okay yeah. all right this some bitch made it at 7300 you know? You're not going to drive it there, though, unless you're in a boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it helps, Willie, with you. You know, if you're doing drag racing, you can ignore some of those things. And if you're you're running a, a lot of cubic inches, well, you can ignore some of those things, too, because you got so many cubes in your favor. But Yeah. So yeah. On, on a street engine, you know, what you feel is the, is the torque, yeah. you know, and that's what you feel driving around. The peak power doesn't really mean something, but... You know, you're not going to be at it very often. You know, you're, you're so, and the cubic inches really matter, you know. Yeah, that's where you can make up for a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, big stroke or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the beauty of a big block is, is you can use the yes. displacement to your benefit down at the low RPMs. Absolutely. And you can throw in, you yeah. know, your tuning, uh, your port sizes and your cam for the big power. And you can just rock that thing across the full range. Oh man! Yep. Well, John, uh, we got to thank you, man. We're just barely picking your brain. I can tell. We, we've got to get you back and get some more of these insights and secrets and forty plus years of all your experience. Uh, really cool talking with you today, man. It's been uh, super exciting. John, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you to uh, something called a Hemi, um, and uh, I'll be up to see you soon. I'll work on it. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. <laughs> we we've got one. We've got one in here right now that we're working on for a a. a uh, the restoration. There you go, man. You know, awesome. Like come out of a, a barracuda, I think. Nice. Well, the next 40 years, maybe maybe would be uh, some Hemi. Uh, <laughs> some Hemi motors coming out of there. So uh, uh, We've worked on it before. John Kazi, guys. John Kazi Racing. Find them online. Where do people find you socially? Where's your What's your website and social sites? Our, our website is johnkaziracingengines.com. It's J-O-N-K-A-A-S-E. Racing Engines with a S. And... Um, but you can Google the last name and you probably find everything if you just put K A A S E in. Um, 
but you know, and the Facebook and the Instagram and all that stuff is on that website, and you can get there. You guys, in case you didn't hear that, John Kazi, K A A S E. Uh, thanks so much for your not just what you're doing for all the Ford lovers uh, and the car enthusiasts out there uh, for us uh, for us you know performance guys uh, just for the whole racing industry man it's really cool to just pick your brain a little bit on the knowledge you have and uh, guys don't forget about our show airing weekends on the Motor Trend Network you can pick up a little knowledge there as well mainly from Kevin because he's really smart episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend on demand thanks to our guest John Kazi my man Kevin Bird I am Willie B our producer Scoop and our executive producer Bob Ecker yeah and don't forget to check out our website Two Guys Garage Com, and you can share your thoughts with us. We're on social everywhere Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Now, Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020 Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. See, man, he's got me leaning, leaning on that Ford Blue Oval stuff. I'm one of those, you know, those measly 500, you know, or 500 cubic inch, 800 plus horsepower Fords dropping this 1100 little Mustang. Yeah. 1100. That's all you want. 800. 600 is probably happier than 800, you know. Uh, 800, you almost can't hold it on the street. Yeah, but we can you know, we can pretend, you know. <laughs> you can pretend, but if you if you when the problem with 800 or 900 or 1000 horses if you're if you're already 70 or 80 miles an hour and you decide to stomp it down, it still blows the tires off and then you're in the woods. This is you know? true. This is oh, very yeah. true. Yeah. It takes quite a man to drive a car with yeah. uh, 800 plus. Uh, well, look, you guys take care, man, and uh, we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Thanks for everything, John. All right. Yep. Take care, guys. We'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more podcasts, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.